Welcome to Rock Nation Real Talk, brought to you by The Rock Center, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Well, hello and welcome to The Rock Nation Podcast, where real people in real relationships are meeting needs in real ways. And uh, the podcast is brought to you by The Rock Center. We're here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, over at uh, 1202 10th Street Southeast. And it is our mission at The Rock Center to renew our city uh, by providing services for the community that uh, offer opportunities for new life, new hope, and a new future. And today, uh, my guest is uh, Maurice Davis. And Maurice currently serves as a business coach and the Empower Program Manager uh, with Jane Boyd. He's been doing so since uh, around February of last year. Uh, And uh, I know that he's involved with a lot of other things that uh, are gonna have the opportunity to share about those things as as we go forward here. Uh, Today, uh, he's gonna be talking about uh, some of the barriers that uh, minority business owners face and probably just minorities in general in getting into business and owning business uh, and it's my hope that uh, Maurice will also, I haven't sprung this one on him yet, but uh, Maurice may also be a, uh, uh, a regular uh, on our program to talk about uh, these and other issues. So uh, Maurice, welcome to the program and tell us where your passion for entrepreneurship came from. You know, I, I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you want me, that you might want me as a regular. Um, <laughs> You know what? It's it's interesting because I didn't think about it until I started doing what I'm doing now. But realistically, it probably came from my mother. Um, so when I was a, when I was much younger, uh, my mother, I would say, has been grooming me to be an entrepreneur since I was probably six or seven years old. Um, she was running her own business, and and when you're running your own business, you know it's it's you and you got kids, and and they end up doing stuff. Um, right. So I remember distinctly as a young young man my mother teaching me how to answer the and to this day it was thank you for calling db enterprise please how can i help you and you know it's just a six-year-old me understanding you know trying to do the best that i can to sound older than i am because yeah. the goal was to not sound six when you're doing that um and i would say it was little things like that you know, my mom explained to me why it was so important and, and how that's helpful and like just the little pieces and, and then helping her with little projects as I got older, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not really thinking much of it. I used to, I used to give her, give her a lot of crap because I was like, all you do is Excel and you do stuff in Microsoft Word and that's it. But now that I'm on the other end of that, I'm like, man, I did a lot of stuff in Excel, but a lot of stuff in Microsoft Office. So I get it. But yes. It definitely came from from my mom and, and and everything she was doing to try to provide um, us the life that she she thought that was was what we needed. Yeah, I I remember with with my kids growing up. I don't know how many times they spent uh, spent spent afternoons and evenings putting binders together and all of these different uh, uh, different things that I was having them uh, having them do for me in preparation for for classes and different things. So. Um, you've, so, so tell us a little bit about your work at, uh, at Jane Boyd and the Empower program. Yeah. Um, so the program here, Jane Boyd, the Empower program is, it's about 12 weeks. And I say that with bated breath because I change it all the time. <laughs> sometimes it's, sometimes it's a little shorter. Yeah, the entrepreneurial um, curse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
It is. Um, ideally, I'm trying to get it to a place where it's eight weeks, um, high, higher intensity than what it is, but shorter in time, um, because I find that it's easier for people when it's when it's shorter. Um, so it's a it's a 12 week program, um, and we kind of walk our entrepreneurs through a couple different phases. The first one we're teaching you business fundamentals, just to kind of give you a good place to start. Um, in the second phase, we're, we're worried about getting you a presence that people can visit. So we're we're talking about social media, we're talking about websites, um, and, and to get all that digital component kind of up and running. Um, and then the final phase, it's it's how you're world, and so. We're helping them build pitch decks um, and get their public speaking to a level that they're ready to present on our pitch day, uh, which is the last day of class. Um, everything that we do in the program is kind of built off these three pillars um, that I, I believe are kind of the, the fundamentals to creating a successful entrepreneur, and that's uh, education. So making sure they just understand, they know what they need to know, um, uh, social capital, so do you understand how to leverage their connections in order to, to move forward? And then finally, mentorship. You know, you might have the connections, but do you have the people that are willing to provide you some of that, um, that intellectual capital to help you kind of wade through some of the problems so you're not learning uh, mistakes that could be avoided? Um, so that, that's kind of the program in a nutshell. All right. Um, so, so today, we specifically, we want to talk about uh, minority business owners and some of the struggles and the barriers that uh, uh, are faced um, in in that arena. So uh, if you would, uh, what are just some of the, the common barriers for minority business owners? Um, I, I think let, maybe let's start just getting started to begin with. Yeah. So I would say one of the things that so we got to step back a little bit and, and think about this, you know, as analytically as possible. Um, mm -hmm. So if we take, say, Iowa, um, and we look at like the median income for a person of color versus someone that's not, um, you can look at the census data and it'll show that there's a gap. Um, so specifically, uh, black entrepreneurs or Individuals that are of uh, African-American or black descent in Iowa, the median income is about $30,000 a year. And so while that comparatively to the median income of Iowa, the state is about $50,000 a year. <clears throat> and so what that means is already disposable money as a, as a minority entrepreneur um, to, to kind of get things rolling and bootstrap. But that also means that the social circles that I run in probably have less money and, and don't aren't able to um, buy my products or my services at a level as say the, the social networks of, of someone else of a different color. Um, that typically also means that because my social networks aren't as uh, financially stable, it also means they're probably not as connected in the community. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of those problems that kind of come in and that goes with why, you know, when I came into the Jane Board program, I said, well, these are the things that we have to solve. You know, we, we have to be able to provide them a better education, you know, help them increase their social capital and, and provide them some mentorship. But it's because, um, it's because, uh, it, it's because those are the things that kind of really matter and, and really are able to, uh, to, to help an entrepreneur propel forward.
you know, access to uh, to uh, to capital. Um, what are some additional then then uh, barriers that uh, that they that they may may face? Yeah. So it's this one is one big one that I've been talking a lot about lately, more so than any other, um, is generational knowledge. Um, typically, okay. is not as prevalent. Um, and so for folks listening, I, I want to make sure that I really explain what I mean by that. It's this concept that if your family um, has been in a business for decades, you just kind of start out in a place where you have a better understanding of what to do and what not to do. You're also surrounded by people that if you get in a bad position, um, they are in a place to be able to help you wade through that stuff. They're also invested in you at a different level than say your friend that may have started a business a few years ago. Um, so general generational knowledge is one that, you know, as, as a entrepreneurial coach, when I see people that their mom, their, their dad, their grandfather, and you know, so on and so forth have been in this business, you find that they're just starting off in a much better place to propel forward. Um, than if they were kind of the first year in entrepreneur. I, I'm not average, you know, I'm not talking about like our standout rock stars are just on average. Um, the, the second one is kind of the, the, the social network circles. Um, so we talk, I alluded to this before, but, you know, if you look at a median income across the United States, you know, and you take a, a demographic that is not white versus, versus white, typically the median income, there's a gap. And so that in and of itself says that the social networks themselves probably have a similar gap if we're applying those medians across the board. And so, you know, if your product and service does not fall within your natural network, now you have to try to build a network outside of where Can you hear me? You're 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 back. Yes. Did, did, was I breaking up there? Yeah. You, you you just all of a sudden you left. <laughs> and and, uh, and we'll, we'll 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 edit that. Um. So so you were talking about uh, uh, generational. So pick it up there for with generational. Yeah. Um. So the idea of generational knowledge is, is this concept that, you know, if, if I have a family member or family members over generations that have been in a business, we just have a better understanding of how to go about it. Um, mm -hmm. And there's so much value in this idea to be able to tackle a problem and have that, you know, mentorship, but also a familial mentorship where they have that natural investment in your success and a pride to see you succeed at something that they were successful in. Um, so to me, that's, that's one of the biggest barriers um, that doesn't get talked about very often because um, there's some, it's not something that you can necessarily fix. I can't, 
I can't solve the fact that you don't have this generational knowledge. But when we talk about what are some of the problems, we have to acknowledge that that is a barrier for their long-term success. And because that is so, that there's some additional steps that need to be taken in order to get them up to speed to a counterpart that might have that. So um, what are, walk us through, if you will, what, what is a, 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 the program that, that you have? What does that look like? What does that uh, consist of? Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about it at the beginning of the episode, but essentially, you know, when I'm looking at breaking it down into phases, I'm, I'm trying to establish a base level knowledge to teach you what you don't know. Um, one of the things that I see with our entrepreneurs or, or entrepreneurs in general is it's the stuff that you don't know that'll kill you. You know, the idea that I need a business plan, you know, we all hear that. You know, so whether you choose to do it or not, coming into business, you know that I need a plan and whatever that looks like. So we don't spend so much time on that type of stuff. But what, what we do is we look at all the other things that are kind of not, uh, not fun to talk about, you know, uh, the licensure and, and making sure that, you know, you go through that process to ensure that you and the way your business is presented and the way you want to do your business, that there might not be some, some license um, a, a great example is um, microblading. So if you're doing um, hair, you have to have a beautician license. Um, if you're doing tattooing, you have to have tattoo license. If you're doing microblading, you have to have both. And so that's one of those things where it's like, if you're not careful and you start doing something, you could be walking into an issue and, and, and end up in a place where you don't understand the position that you're in. Because quite frankly, a lot of these training and certifications, they're, they're teaching nationally. So they don't really know state by state what, what your state requires. And so we're working hard to help people avoid those pitfalls of stepping into something that, you know, just requires a quick search on um, Iowa SourceLink or, you know, reaching out to legal aid or something, something to make sure that you have what you need in place so you can avoid those legal hurdles along with other things like creating, you know, creating forecasts for your, your startup costs and stuff like that. I don't want you to start something and, and realize that, you know, I've already dropped 10 grand, but this is only a fraction of what I need to be before I get to where I'm going. Um, primarily, you know, I'm all about helping my entrepreneurs avoid bumps on the head. Um, so, you know, I get a lot of times where I have entrepreneurs come in and, and, and when they talk about growing their business, they want the things that, um, the world says this is a successful business. And what I mean by that is they want to go out and buy banners and, and, you know, um, tablecloths and, and all these right. other things that they can use to display to others that I'm successful. But I, unfortunately those don't matter until you, until you actually have customers. And so it's like, <laughs> let's, let's reel this back a little bit and look at how could we take that same three, $400 be impactful. Maybe right now you have a black tablecloth with nothing on it and they cost you 15 bucks, but that's okay. You know, yeah. we need to get you customers that can afford, you know, to fund the, the $200 tablecloth that has your logo on it and, and it's your brand of colors. So it's those type of things that we really, that, that our program really is about helping them kind of break through some of the stigma of what it means to be a business owner. So do you work with uh, not only minority, but, but non-minority uh, individuals as well then? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our program works with minority and low SES or or low social economic status. Okay. So it doesn't matter if you're a minority or not. I'm, I'm happy to help you. Um, you know, I even do things and this is less of the program and more of I, the, the way I see the entrepreneur community. I'll work with you even if my program itself, you don't fit. If you just need a place to go and you're comfortable with me, I'll do some, I'll do some coaching with you directions. Um, what we really are when I think about our program is we, you know, we, myself, we're a, a resource aggregation center and for entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm here to help point you in the direction where you need to go in order to be successful. And sometimes that means my program and others, others, it means someone else's program or, or quite frankly, you know, maybe it's a YouTube video, but you know, it's really helping entrepreneurs wade through a lot of the stuff there, there's, you know, we're in the age of information and that's great. But the problem is there's so much of it and just trying to figure out what's good and what's not. And so that's really where I feel like that's our job in this program is help people wade through that information that's my job as the business coach, business consultant to help them wade through the information and then apply that information to be impactful. So, so um, how does then um, low business ownership, and, and I'm sure this, this could be a segment all in itself, uh, impact minority business owners in, in that segment of society? Yeah. So, that, that, that's one of those questions that, like you said, it could be a segment all on its own. But when you think about, you know, so we talked about the generational knowledge piece. So if we continually have a low business ownership in a community, then that's, that perpetuates this cycle of, of low turnover for possibility of future generational knowledge. But also, typically speaking, if you have ownership in a community, um, there are figures out there that talk about the cycling of a dollar within a certain demographic or a certain community. And the communities that have a higher cycle time for the dollar, um, typically as themselves are, are just a, a more sound community. Um, so when you have a lower cycle time, that essentially means there's less wealth building in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, so the money comes into it. So we're talking about like community, African-American community, black community, money comes in, it goes right back out. In opposed to some other communities, they leverage those dollars to do other things, um, whether that be to open additional businesses, um, whether that be to um, invest in things for the neighborhood. And so by having that low ownership, there's low, there's low, low business ownership means there's low ownership in the community for the community investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we, how many, uh, just think about it as far as demographics, even in, in the area here of, of, of the Rock Center, Jane Boyd, um, is there much business activity, minority-owned business activity going on? Uh, much, much can be a challenging. So I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. Um, when you think about our demographics in the Sierra Rapids area, we, we're we're not as diverse as we could be for the city. Um, so the African-American population is about 6%. Uh, I think the Hispanic population is about four to five. Um, some of the other nationalities that are a little, that have smaller percentages, we kind of break out and parse out. So there's, there's, not, there's not many, I don't, I don't even think there's, a, there's another one that's 10%. And I, I could be wrong. Those numbers are a little old. I think those were from like 
2018, 2015 census. Okay. Um, so when we say not much, you know, is, is there much or not? It, looking right. at it respective to, you know, the actual demographics, I think that we do a pretty good job trying to capture different folks to, to, to participate entrepreneurially. Um, there are some programs that we have in our community that, that really do the best that they can. Um, I would even say uh, Nuvo City Market is a great example. Um, okay. You know, you walk in and you have a Vietnamese restaurant, you got a um, Mexican baker, and then you have some Indian street food, and then you also have a um, Mexican restaurant there as well. So within that space, they probably have capacity for 20 businesses. And then there's, a, there's an African-American baker as well. Yeah, that's so right. Shawnee Cakes, man. You got to hit Shawnee Cakes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She'd, she'd be so mad if I forgot her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the space of 20 businesses, I may be, I may be estimating a little low. We got about five that, that you know, you would say are minority-owned businesses. Um, and and that's, that's talking more like um, ethnicity, not men and women. Um, so I would say they do a really good job uh, of working hard to make sure that they're as diverse as they can based on the population. But when we break out into the community as a whole, and we look at, say, the shopping strips in like downtown and those other areas, I would say we had some room to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah, meaning... Meaning it's not as many as I would like that, not as many as it could be and not as many as I would like to see. Right. So in, in particular, you know, pockets of the community, which, which may be, you know, predominantly uh, uh, lived in or that by, by minorities, well, then you may have a larger percentage of minority owned businesses in those, in those areas. Um, right. It sounds like what you're saying is that there's an opportunity outside of those communities in order to, to for uh, a greater number of businesses to, to exist. Absolutely. 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 I, again, I think there are areas where we do really well. Um, and I know there are people that are actively working and trying to get people into spaces. Um, we just, there, there, there's just so much room for oper- so much opportunity for advancement and growth that, you know, I was talking to a couple of folks the other day about what does it look like? Um, so if we just talk about banking industry in general, um, yeah. business loans are hard to get period. You know, I don't, and I don't say that as a, as a thing to, to, you know, I'm not talking about disparity amongst business loans or anything like that. I just mean in general, um, because unless you're getting a franchise, it's really risky to back a business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm backing the, the individual and, and, and banks don't love them. If I'm just being quite frank, there's, there's, right. there's no assets necessarily back in that unless it's, you know, some sort of equipment. And so that, that can be a problem. Um, and so then you have to ask yourself, well, you know, if business loans themselves are challenging to get, how do we make it more um, desirable for, for, these types of organizations, these entrepreneurs, in order to be able to go out and get these loans and, and get this, this funding that's needed, and in many cases, in order to get a business off the ground. My program specifically talks about bootstrapping, and so I'm a fan to a degree. I want you to get out and test your idea with as little cost as possible investment to see if it's going to work. But there is a point where bootstrapping is only going to take you so far 
and you have to infuse some capital into that thing in order for it to grow. So when you talk about um, bootstrapping for, for the sake of the listeners, what are you referring to there? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing, I'm going to, I keep trying to do better about explaining when I've mentioned the term. Um, so bootstrapping is the idea of um, building a business off um, the income that the business generates itself. So typically in a bootstrapped environment, the owner would have a one-time investment or a small upfront investment. And then the business would grow based on everything that it brought in revenue and profit. Um, so it's this idea that, you know, if you bootstrap a business appropriately, you really are putting in much less money to get it to grow. And the, and the engine of the business is supposed to fuel itself. Okay. Okay. And, and that's, that's a great place to start, but sounds like what you're saying that that's not sufficient to, to sustain the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, most, and I say this and I, I would, I would think that most business leaders would agree that bootstrapping only takes you so far. And, and there is a jumping off point where it's like, okay, we're in this to win this. Um, you know, you either need to gain some sort of massive, you know, and, and you can look at it different ways. You know, that's, that's why we have IPOs, you know, mm -hmm. they realize that they're at a place where they need more money than what they can raise um, by selling their product, you know, I, I, or let me, let me go back IPO or initial public offering is when a, is when a business go hits the market for the first time for, for public purchase. Um, so they do that as a way in order to raise capital. And, and that's no different, you know, it's a different type of capital than going to a bank and getting a loan. But realistically, that's the acknowledgement that we've hit a point where we need more capital. And so if you look at it in that sense, every business that's, that trades publicly acknowledged that bootstrapping was only going to take them so far. Um, and that's a lot of companies. Um, now, so when I say that, you know, it's also acknowledging like, what is the goal of your business? And so that, that, that's a whole nother conversation that you and I could get into. But um, realistically, I would say when you get to a place where, you know, you have to make a decision of if a business is a lifestyle business or if it's, if, or if you're looking to create something a little bit bigger than that, and if the answer is a little bit bigger, then, then then it's probably time to 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 infuse a little bit more capital than what bootstrapping is gonna gonna do for you. Now, I say that as a blanket statement. Depending on the business type, you might not have to do anything other than bootstrapping if you're a low cost, high profit business. Then then maybe not. If if somebody um, wanted to find out a little bit more about uh, the program itself and the work that you do, what's the best way to uh, to connect? Yeah. Um, so our website is probably going to be one of the best places and that's empower uh, Cedar Rapids with an S.com. Cedar Rapids dot uh, empower Cedar Rapids dot com. Correct. Or they Thank can you. reach out to us on Facebook and that's empower by GoDaddy. Um, we're the only, you know, you just type that in and we'll pop up. Okay. Uh, what's up? What are some things then that that uh, individuals can do to help these these business owners? Yeah. Um, so the easy answer is go out and buy their stuff. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but but if we're being realistic, you know, they're one. You're not always their customer, and and I mean by you just might not need what they have to offer. I would say uh, help them with getting the word out about what they do. So whether that be sharing it on your social media pages or just telling friends and family, um, 
I would also say that if you are a um, business professional and you see uh, an entrepreneur that's kind of up and coming and you feel like you can help them and you have the time, I would say offer, offer to provide them some sort of advice um, because they really are trying the best that they know how to do. Um, sometimes they just don't know better. Um, and and I, I, I truly believe that when people know better, they do better. And, you know, just as a quick example before, you know, I get off the subject, I went somewhere and we were, we were talking about, um, they, they weren't able to take a credit card. And so I started talking to the owner. I said, well, I, I can't, I can't buy from you because I don't carry cash. And the owner proceeded to tell me that, well, the reason why they don't have uh, a credit card machine was because the bank that they have basically told them that they wouldn't be able to do treasury management service for them. And so we started talking about applications like Square, um, PayPal, all these other things that they could use. And they had no idea that that was an option. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that they had to go through their bank. And, and even though these services are widespread and we feel like, well, everybody should know about Square, everybody doesn't. And so sometimes it's just as simple as, hey, did you know you could do this? Matter of fact, we could set it up right now and we could process a credit card transaction in 10 minutes. Um, and they're so grateful just for you taking that time where it's not always, I need to sit down and do a whole mentoring session. It's if you see something and, and the owner's legitimately trying to grow, they're, they're, they're typically happy to, to get some feedback. Um, I would also say that if you don't feel comfortable giving that feedback and you're out somewhere, you're like, hey, you should really go talk to this guy. Feel free to send send me their information. I'm happy to give the feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, tell us, tell us before we uh, before we wrap up. Tell us a little bit about uh, what else you have going on. I know you recently uh, put a book out there. What else do you have going on? Yeah, I did. I, I published a book called Introvert Survival Guide to Networking. Um, if you're an introvert and you're trying to you're trying to grow your network, I. I think the author has some great points. <laughs> um, I'm also in the process of writing a children's book. Um, and that's, you know, that's essentially looking at entrepreneurship and, and, and blending some culture. Um, so, you know, I have, I have little sisters and, you know, I'm huge in entrepreneurship, obviously. And when I went out to look for books or kids that looked like them, I couldn't find any. Yeah. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, instead of, you know, I complained about it for a hot moment and I said, well, why not just make one? And so I'm essentially in the process of, of trying to do that. I have, I, have the, I have the first story written and then I have the, the basic frame for the second two stories. Um, so I'm hoping that that'll be finished um, within the, by the end of the year. Um, so that's, that's my other project. Um, and then I'm looking at what is, I, I started a consulting firm for nonprofits. So I do essentially, um, I help them with like their strategic plans and, you know, looking at their ex- employee experience and, and, uh, participant experience to help drive the efficiencies of the program. So those are like the three areas that I'm, that I'm, that I'm playing in right now and, and trying to, trying to make sure that we're, we keep all those plates spinning. Yeah. Keep all the plates spinning. Yeah. Um, so, um, what do you think as, as we close out here? Um, what, what are some things that, that, that need to happen, uh, in this community? I think to, 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 to really get, get, get the direction changing with regards to, uh, 
minority business and business owners? Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm in this group that talks about alternative funding streams. Um, and they look at other models of lending like revenue base or um, there's a couple other weird ones that I'm not, that I'm not as keen on. So I don't follow as much, but the reason why I even bring them up as an option is because I, you know, we're in a place where, you know, we see entrepreneurs that when we look at their businesses, we say that that thing might have legs. Um, but if we're honest about the process of entrepreneurship, a lot of it is a guess until it's actually happened. Um, and so in order for we, us to find out if it has legs, we, we, we got to kind of take step out on a leap of faith there. Um, again, to some degree to, to help that entrepreneur out, to give, to give them the tools and resources. And I think right now, a lot of the tools and resources that we have with these entrepreneurs that have done all the bootstrapping they can is, is the whole, what are some other ways that I can look at funding my business outside of getting a, a business loan when depending on my business type, honestly, might not even be eligible. Doesn't mean I can't make money. It just means that based on risk structures that it'll never get a loan. And that's a whole nother, a whole nother subject in and of itself. So I, I, I think the answer to your question is, how does the community create some, some sort of funding source or um, community investment pool that allows us to, to, to take some of these minority entrepreneurs that are, that are right there or that are doing well, but they just need that extra piece, not as a handout, but, a, but as a loan. And you know, that, that money then gets paid back on an interest bearing and, and, and that, that money then that they pay back is used to fund the next entrepreneur. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, you talk about how do we make this work? We have things like microloans that are great. They're just too small. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, give us a, give us a little flavor. What might be some other subjects that you might talk about if you, uh, if you happen to come back on? Oh, those are good ones. Uh, so I'm, I would say the other thing I'm really passionate about is uh, education um, and, and specifically like alternative education models. I, I believe that you know, in order for us to um, really drive forward our communities, you know, we, we, we had to embrace this entrepreneurship thing. Um, and how do we teach our kids to be problem solvers, which that's, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a problem solver. So I love schools and an education system that leverage the system of, you know, problem solving. I would say Iowa Big is a great example. Um, finance is, is something that I'm that I'm really passionate about, especially in the African American Black community. Um, looking at how do you use financial literacy in order to to improve a community as a whole. So those are those are my areas. Those are my buckets that I, that I would say I'm passionate about outside of entrepreneurship. Uh, which there are tons of other conversations that can be had about entrepreneurship, the growth of our community industries that, that, you know, the community needs outside of what, what we're just getting right now. Excellent. All right. Well, Hey, again, you've been listening to rock nation podcast and our guest has been Maurice Davis. And uh, again, Maurice is the, as a business coach for the empower program with Jane Boyd. And uh, he's been a guest here on uh, Rock Nation. And uh, as uh, I had mentioned, we look forward to him being a guest uh, uh, again in the future. So, Maurice, thanks so much for your time and uh, look forward to connecting with you again. And uh, thank you all for listening to Rock Nation. And until next time, thanks so much.
Thank you.